And we begin our Saturday morning radio extravaganza with you. Have your cup of coffee. Or two. Or three. James Golden, a.k.a. Boast Nerdly, with you. And we have three hours. And we're going to make the best of them. So much news. Including celebrity news. There's a huge piece in the New York Post about Nora O'Donnell and uh, the toxic atmosphere over there at the uh, CBS News. Jamie Lee Curtis has put out a photo of herself with a belly that has some people upset. Uh, one of the things that I saw today uh, looking at um, when I opened the BPR site, the first thing I saw was a woman's butt staring me in the face. And that's part of the Sports Illustrated new swimsuit diversity campaign where women with all shapes and all sizes are being featured as finalists. It's a interesting piece. We will talk about Ukraine. We have a special treat for you. One of my friends, one of my dear friends, is a radio host down in the sixth borough of New York. The sixth borough of New York is Palm Beach County, of course. And she had a letter, and this is convoluted, but she had a letter from one of her peeps. And the letter was so interesting that my chief engineer brought it to my attention. said, you need to hear this. Now, let me in all fairness just say I had unfairly maligned my chief as a, as a Russian sympathizer. And so this is part of an extended conversation that we had. And it goes back to something that our own Princess of Policy, Diana Mee, said to us very early on in the the Ukraine-Russia conflict, that there's more to the story than is being told. There's more than just simply Russia bad, Ukraine good, virtuous. And this letter that you will hear parts of, and we're going to interrupt it because it's long, it's about five minutes, um, we'll hear some of those other views that are not heard so often in the American perspective of what's going on. Of course, from my perspective, the evil continues. There's a story today of a 31-year-old woman getting blown up, blown to bits by a Russian tank. We've seen what Russians are capable of doing, the Russian military, blowing up uh, hospitals blowing up whatever they running over elderly people with their tanks, just being vicious. It's almost like it's a war on civilians. And, of course, right now, Kiev is in, being encircled, as are many of the major cities there. It has taken a while, but it's starting to look very desperate for the Ukrainians right now. There's more to discuss, of course, on the Florida front. We have had... Uh, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, come out swinging after he was attacked by the chairman of the rodent, uh, the rodent kingdom, Disney. Uh, the rodent kingdom CEO basically caved into demands from his employees as many CEOs do these days, they bend over, grab the ankles when the employees start whining, and came out opposed to the new law in Florida, which to me should be uncontroversial and maybe would be, except that the 
dishonest, corrupt mainstream press in our company took sides early and began calling it the don't say gay bill, even though gay is never mentioned in it. And, and you know, the amazing thing about that is that they will, they will, the liberals, the left, the progressives will focus on homosexuality instead of sexuality. The bill basically says you don't bring up sexuality in the classroom. Go let the parents handle that from grades one through three. And then after the third grade, you should have age-appropriate discussions about human sexuality. Now, that has been turned into an attack on gay, an attack on homosexuality, when it is not. It is clearly an attempt to define the boundaries of what is acceptable curriculum for children. And parents are finding themselves... I'll give you an example. In the New York Times today, Karen Schwisher has written a column. It's only available behind the payroll paywall for subscribers only. I happen to subscribe to the New York Times, which is curious. A lot of people why do you why do you subscribe to that left wing that left wing that that left wing fake news New York Times? Well, listen, New York Times has been one of the papers that I've read since I was a child. I started reading newspapers really early. In fact, we, we there are some papers that no longer exist, like the Long Island Press, the Herald. We had all kinds of papers. We had a plethora of newspapers. And my dad and my mom were really conscious about reading. We we were taught to read very early. I was totally taken by newspapers, and I used to read news all the newspapers. The New York Post used to get delivered in the afternoon. We get the Daily News in the morning, along with the New York Times. When I got a little bit older, I started reading some of the Wall Street Journal. Um, and And so, yeah, so I've been reading the New York Times since I was a kid. I'm totally aware that it's a leftist rag now. But once in a while, you can find a good story in there, especially when it's non-political. But anyway, so I subscribe to it, and I subscribe to the Amazon Prime Washington Post, and I subscribe to the L.A. Times so that you don't have to, so that I can tell you what's in in those leftist publications without you having to pay the subscription fee. And I can tell you what the liberals are saying, which is important that we know the battle we're facing and who these people are and what they think, if they think. So Karen Schwisher has a newsletter for Time subscribers only, and in it she says that she has a feeling of toxic deja vu from the anti-gay marriage Proposition 8 in California in 2008, which, by the way, the voters approved of. And what is unreported in all of that is that there were several, there were reports, and we saw this live after this Proposition 8 passed in California, which stunned liberals, Because the overall population said, no, we don't want gay marriage back then. That's what they said. And many gay activists were blaming the N-word people. That's what they were calling them, the N's. 
because they were seen as the pivotal vote that swayed it toward Proposition 8 being accepted. And they went haywire. And their racism, just the left's racism, just came out in a fury. And, of course, that was suppressed in all of the reporting on it afterwards because they did not want the truth about the reaction that these progressives and liberals had to be really widespread disseminated in a wide manner. Anyway, getting back, this woman says DeSantis is expected to sign it, of course. It reads in part that such curriculums may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate. We've already been through that. And then she says, if that sounds almost reasonable on a quick read, don't be fooled. It's not. Well, it sounds reasonable because it is reasonable. That is what it says. But what she's telling you is what the left's telling you. Don't believe what's in print. Don't believe what you can understand. Don't believe the words. Believe my interpretation of the words. As if her self-righteous biased interpretation is somehow gospel and not what's actually in the legislation. What is in the legislation says that in these curriculums, kindergarten through third grade, there's no sexuality supposed to be discussed. Let the parents of kids teach them about sexuality if they choose to. If Kids that age have questions, ask your mom, ask your dad. And she says the bill does not explicitly ban the word gay. It doesn't ban the word gay at all, whether explicitly or implicitly. It doesn't do it. But that doesn't change the intent. Really. So now she's a mind reader. Now she has a crystal ball And she knows the intent of every legislator because only she can be right, and these liberals. Only they. They don't have to go by what people actually say and do. They know what people's intent are because they can get inside their brains. The vague but menacing language. The language is not vague. It's clear. And it's not menacing It's simply factual. The vague but menacing language is clearly focused on chilling any mention of LGBTQ plus lives. No, it is not. The language says you don't talk sexual stuff with young kids. Leave it to their parents. And that's all it says. Worse is that it appeals to a real fear of some parents that they're being prevented from raising their kids as they see fit. Because it's true. Because you leftist progressives think you should be able to teach kids whatever you want them to, regardless of what the parents want for their own children. She says, of course they're not, which is bull. But the bill plays well with certain vital constituencies in the Sunshine State. Let's call it what it is. 
trans, and homophobia. We went through this nonsense decades ago. And she goes on and on and on and on. She points to uh, DeSantis's press secretary, Christina Pushaw. Which, I love this woman. Don't know her. But she doesn't take any crap. She says, and, and she tweeted out a few days ago, she called it the anti-grooming bill, as opposed to the don't say gay bill. The, uh, uh, DeSantis's press secretary said, no, 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 this is the anti-grooming bill. We don't want you grooming children in grades one through three about their sexuality. Anyway, she goes on to say that um, that she is pulling out. She has some sort of um, business in Florida that was dealing with tech and and. I get to vote with my feet where to put my own investments. It's called capitalism, folks, and this is how it works. Well, you know what? That's a double-edged sword, Missy, because there are plenty of people who will invest. Number one, they're glad you're leaving and taking your investments out. Take your progressive, progressive behind to a blue state where you're among like-minded progressive bigots. And go let your own kids be indoctrinated by your other fellow progressives. So residents of the 6th Borough of New York and Palm Beach County are glad that you're taking your progressive behind out of their county and your business. And guess what? There are plenty of people coming in to Florida. Florida is one of the most attractive states right now, getting people from all over the Northeast that are coming because it's a free state under their governor, not locked down like our state New York was, not locked down like our state New Jersey was, not dealing with you crazed, bigoted liberals. So no one's unhappy that you're leaving. See ya, baby. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Goodbye. This is both nerdly. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Boston Early. That drives us one. I got an email the other day, jamesgolden.com. You can always email me there. Some guy just ragging me because I say, I'm James Golden, a.k.a. Boston Early. He calls it pathetic. So I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. Yeah, I'm kind of a feisty mood this morning. <laughs> James Golden, a.k.a. Boston Early, with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Your telephone calls, of course, are welcome and to reach us. 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. We're going to talk a little bit of Ukraine when we get back. Also, Texas and transgender children, Texas abortion, Tejas. We've got all kind of stuff lined up for you. So just stick around, stay here, and we'll be right back. Oh, no, politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Stevie Wonder brings us back on WABC. Part time lover. If you listen closely, you'll recognize 
Besides Stevie's voice, another voice. Uh, that's because singing on background on this song is uh, Luther Vandross. Now remember, Music Radio WABC is tonight. Cousin Brucey, one of the amazing hosts. Let's talk Ukraine. Russian forces are continuing their push toward Kiev. And, and of course, Kiev, a lot of people pronounce it Kiev, 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 Kiev. And they are ramping up their air and their artillery attacks. They're making headway. It's a slow push. And while the Russian army, the Russian military, may be embarrassed by the high number of losses that they're getting, by their aircraft being shot down, reports of generals being fired by an angry Vladimir Putin, or as some of my fellow New Yorkers call him, Putin, um, it is unquestionable that they are continuing this march. They are now, the Rus- Russian forces are surrounding many of the cities in the Ukraine. Of course, there there's a story in the Daily Mail today about a Ukrainian woman, 31, blown up by a Russian tank. She was looking for medicine for her sick mother. She stayed to help locals. She was a medic. I mean, it's pathetic. Some of the the deaths to civilians going on in this conflict. And the Russians just seem to be, shall I say, soulless and heartless in their approach. But, But let me also say that war is never a pleasant thing. Now, of course, the Russians aren't telling their own people that this is a war. They call it a special operation to help cleanse Ukraine. They don't use the word cleanse. I suppose it has too many. That word has too many historical meaning. But they, too much historical meaning. But they are indeed saying that they're cleansing the Ukraine of Nazis, as if the Nazis have taken over. It's a bunch of bull is what it is. But anyway, one of my dear friends, and as I mentioned earlier, my chief engineer brought to my attention something that happened on a show in the Sixth Borough. One of my dear friends, Joyce Kaufman, on a radio station there, had a letter from one of her peeps that was explaining this. And I just wanted you to hear part of it. The next voice you hear will be that of Joyce Kaufman reading this letter. This was an interesting viewpoint that was sent to me. It's written by Dan Truitt, and I may not agree with a lot of what's in here, but I think it's important that we hear a lot of different perspectives on what's happening right now. It says, first and most importantly, virtually no one in the U.S. has got this right, including conservative outlets and pundits. Putin's a thug, but he's an excellent politician and a strong leader. And he's not crazy, as some seem to surmise. He is a cold, calculating, strategic thinker who has disciplined his mind and body for decades. He's a Russia first guy. Think Donald Trump minus all that hot air, Big Macs, and add a willingness to off his enemies. Which Donald Trump would not do. We promised Russia we would not expand NATO when the Soviet Union fell. 
We went back on that promise and incorporated almost the entire Eastern Bloc into NATO. Then hold after on, 9/11, hold on right there. Hold on right there. Do you know today is the anniversary? And let us go to what this person is saying. Today is the anniversary, today, that Poland, Hungary, and the Czech Republic became members of NATO, the North American, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. So, at least for factual information, so far, the, the author of this piece is correct. Continue. Ben. Bush II unilaterally canceled the 72 ABM Treaty, which until then had frozen nuclear weapon development in the Soviet Union and the U.S., effectively ending the arms race. Bush's rationale was that we needed to develop new nuclear weapon tech to defeat terrorism, like we were going to nuke Osama bin Laden. Bush's rationale for NATO expansion was also terrorism, so Bush triggered a fresh arms race. Bush was a decent man, but the more time goes by, the more he looks like an absolute moron to me. Ukraine belonged to Russia for centuries. They have almost identical cultures and languages. Kiev used to be the capital of Russia. Putin's war may be a war of defense. Russia feels threatened by NATO expansion. Russia is a mainly land-based continental power which desires a buffer with the West. Ukraine serves that purpose perfectly. The U.S. triggered a coup d'etat in Ukraine in 2014, overthrowing the democratically elected president, who was Russia-friendly, and installing a pro-Western, pro-NATO leader. Hold it. Putin. Who was president in 2014? Uh, let me, memory. Who, who, who was president? Now, this guy's saying, yeah, you know, we overthrew the United States we, we, so we could get our puppet guy in there. And then you do you remember Joe Biden actually when his son was dealing in the Ukraine, talking about how he got rid of a prosecutor. Hmm, I'm just, yeah, we'll continue. Putin has had his eye on Ukraine ever since, but dared not do anything when Trump was in power because he feared and respected Trump. So Putin, in the meantime, brilliantly helped move along a green revolution in Germany and elsewhere in Europe, leaving Europe with its wind farms and solar panels hungry for more energy, which they bought from Russia in the form of natural gas. Trump's right. Putin is a genius. Unfortunately, we seem to be in a historically rare period in which the leaders of one and a half billion people, the West, are to a person either feckless, obtuse, senile, or some combination of the three. Now that we have President Potted Plant in office, Putin has made his move. By the way, the story is that Russia annexed Crimea some years ago. Putin's version is that the Crimeans had a plebiscite and over 90% voted to leave Ukraine and join Russia. That alone should give you an idea of what a dysfunctional country Ukraine is. Putin has no intention of reconstituting the Soviet Union. That's a big fat that. lie. This war is the West's fault, not Putin's. Really? At any time, we could have discussed these issues with him. Instead of seeking closer ties with Russia, as Trump was attempting to, he even talked about disbanding NATO since Russia is no longer a territorial threat to Europe, we constantly antagonize Russia with our NATO expansion. What we should be doing is assuring Russia we're not a threat, make treaties with Russia bringing us closer together, after all, they are a European Orthodox Christian nation, and turning our united efforts against the real threat, China. We couldn't have mishandled this more. Contrary to popular opinion, the Ukrainians are not making a heroic stand against the Russians. They're getting their butts kicked. 
They're hiding in population centers, and Russia's trying to get to them is killing a lot of civilians as collateral damage. They're fighting a relatively clean war, if there is such a thing. Oh, come on. And all Zelensky has to do is meet with Putin and agree to Putin's four demands. Ukraine cannot join NATO. NATO arms out of Eastern Europe, honoring our promise to Russia's then-leader Gorbachev, a ban on NATO missiles within striking distance, and autonomy for the two predominantly Russian provinces in East Ukraine. Numbers two and three are a pretty big ask, but here you see how Putin himself may have read the art of the deal. Always ask for more than you want. Zelensky could end this in two hours if he wanted. Instead, he seems to have developed a Churchill complex. He's begging for money and arms, which will prolong the bloodshed. No one is reporting the billions in medicines, foodstuff, and other aid the Russians are shipping into Ukraine. This came from somebody who's in Greece at the time and now, getting a very different perspective on the war. That, is, you agree um, with it that or- is a different perspective. That's Joyce Kaufman again. Thank you, Joyce. And we really appreciate that. Um, and that goes to what, again, Princess Diana was telling us. There is a different perspective about this that we're not hearing in American media. Now, I'm not going to say right, wrong. Some of this stuff I just patently disagree with. But I wanted you to hear it, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it and see what you think. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, back with you right after this. Entertaining and informative, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air, 77 WABC. Brings us back, Nicolette Larson on WABC Talk Radio 77, part of your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. I haven't heard this song in ages, and I've forgotten how much I liked it. If you want to be part of today's Saturday morning radio extravaganza, 800-848-WABC is the number to call. And we welcome your calls. We'll be going to phones soon. But we do have other things. You might not know this, but uh, we are asked to go here in New York City on an ultra-high alert. The story is in BizPack Review today. Civilians fleeing the war-torn nation of Ukraine while Russian President Vladimir Putin and his military forces continue their conquest over the lands can rest easy tonight. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand is on the case, and she's deeply concerned about the effect the war will have on New York City. The junior senator from New York, who has behaved like a jilted lover ever since her failed presidential campaign, for the U.S. presidency of 2020 and a campaign that was laid to rest in August of 2019, believes that New York will be Putin's first cyber attack target. And boy, does she really care. Senator Gillibrand says Russia's military attack on Ukraine city's buildings have happened in conjunction with cyber attacks waged on Ukraine's critical infrastructure from its banks to departments of government. And there's no guarantee 
that those attacks will be limited to Ukraine. So she's worried, and she thinks that we here in New York City ought to be on high alert. The Vladimir Putin and his buddies are going to turn their attention from Ukraine and look at us and say, oh, we need to launch a cyber attack on New York. Because after all, New York is a threat. New York City is a threat. Thanks, Senator Gillibrand. Now, please go back and do whatever you were doing before. <sighs> Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> In Tejas, we were talking about the Disney thing earlier. Oh, by the way, before we get to Tejas, I'll bring up Tejas later. I want to take some calls. There was a story I didn't get to during the week. This is why I love Saturday Three Hours, because I can go back and pull stories that I wanted to talk about and didn't have time, and we can do them right now, like this one. This story was in uh, the CBC. This was Canadian. And they ran a column by somebody named Morgan Campbell. He writes an opinion piece for the Canadian Broadcasting Sports, and his column is the WNBA star... Brittany Grinner, who's detained in Russia, is guilty of only pursuing a salary that matches her skill. That's the only thing she's guilty of. She wanted to get paid properly, so she had to go over to Russia to play. She, he says if cannabis, oil, and vape pens are, that's what she was accused of having. And she's facing 10 years in prison if convicted. She had cannabis oil and vape pens. And, and he says, this this columnist, if cannabis oil and vape pens are still illegal in most places in North America, they are only barely so. It's like driving with expired tags. It's a problem most jurisdictions over here saw with warnings and fines. It's not life-changing stints in prison. And he says that uh, this athlete, Grinner, faces a decade-long incarceration, says more about Russia's outdated laws than it does about her. No, no, it says a lot about her. It says that she thought that she could get away with it. Anybody traveling to foreign countries, one of the first things that any adult— responsible adult will do is make sure that whatever they are carrying with them does not violate the laws of the place that they are traveling to. It is called respect. But how can we expect, how can we expect liberals to have respect for other nations' borders when they don't even have respect for our own borders and for our laws? This woman violated Russia's laws. And to Russians, their laws mean something. Unlike here in America where you can just walk over from any part of the world that you want to and walk in because Democrats and liberals have so desensitized Americans that so many people don't care if the laws are broken. It's not like that everywhere else. And this woman had a responsibility, a personal responsibility You're over there. You're making money over there. Fine. Obey the laws of that nation. That was up to her. Now, I'm sorry that she might be facing 10 years for having a vape pen. 
I agree that over here, vape pens are not a big deal anymore. But she's not over here. She's over there. And as such, she brought this on herself. And by the way, people have pointed out that this athlete was one of the ones kneeling down in protest to America like so many of these other athletes did when we played our national anthem. Well, honey, I bet you I bet you wish you were back in the United States of America right now, don't ya? WABC Talk Radio 77. Let's start with the telephones. And let's go to Novi NYU. Hello, Novi. Welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with James Golden. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. I'm a little grouchy this morning myself. Um, yeah, Why yeah, are you grouchy? Yeah, did, grouchy. You, did, you, did your toast burn this morning? What's up? Are you all right? <laughs> actually, um, actually, if you want to know the truth, I have to get a bypass operation. I found out yesterday. Oh, man, uh, really? Wait a minute. Stop. You, look, you're going to be okay, right? Yeah, no, no, I'm strong. It's okay. just that that one of the valves in my and they can't just stem it. They uh, uh, they they've got to go in. So um, so next week I see the surgeon and then soon after that I'm going to get the operation. Okay. And I'm pissed off about it. I got Vicks and all this. I'm exercising. I'm I'm trying to get by next week some miracle that they say, oh, never mind. We'll just put a stent in. <laughs> but listen. EIM is Every Individual Matters, EIM 2024. I'm a founder of that, and I'm for independent. I, 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 really, I really do respect Trump, um, um, but we're in the situation that we're in the situation. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're here, okay? And I am actually very disappointed in uh, people who have power as far as the media goes, like WABC. I think that we should absolutely have a bounty on Putin's head for a billion dollars. And we should compete to see if, the, if America, if NATO, if the European Union, if a New York, anyone, give me a billion dollars and my organization will find a way to find that man and either capture him or kill him, dead or alive, a bounty for a billion dollars. Okay, now can I tell you why that's a horrible idea? Okay, tell me. Yes, please. Aside from violating United States law, which we do have a law that we are not, as a country, supposed to, even covertly using the CIA, be involved in the assassination of foreign leaders. If you open that door and the United States puts a bounty on a leader of a country's head, it will not be long before... Another country puts a bounty on the le- on the head of an American leader. This is not how you solve problems. Now, if the real problem is there's not support for the Ukraine, then Ukraine should actually, and what they're doing, Ukraine is saying to people in, Eu- in Europe, the European nations, hello, we want more than just puffery. We want more than just words. Send us the arms that we need to fight these guys. And they asked us to do that, and we stepped out of it. Now, as hard as this is to take, it is hard to watch what's going on over there. It is hard to watch these communist thugs killing civilians at willy-nilly random. 
it is hard to watch the bravery that's being shown by President Zelensky and others in Ukraine, and and that being met with a resounding silence in many cases from the West. But you know whose problem this is? This is not the United States of America's problem. This is a European problem. And all those Europeans who are always wagging their finger at the United States, every time we do something, they're always wagging their finger at the United States about how evil America is. Oh, America, oh, you shouldn't be putting these terrorists in jail. Oh, you shouldn't be doing this. Oh, America, you're the land of racists. When in fact, they don't have a track record like ours when it deals with race at all. Name a black president ever, in whether he was a progressive, liberal, or commie, or what. They've never had one, and they're always pointing their fingers at America. Well, you know what? It's time for us to point our fingers right back at them. This is, this is a European problem. They, just like now, I do agree with one part of that letter that we heard earlier. You know, these guys are so concerned about their little solar panels and their windmills that they've forgotten that the world runs on fossil fuels. And so now they're threatened because Russia holds the fossil fuels, and like the United States, they haven't developed their own energy resources when it comes to fossil fuels. This is their problem. Let them deal with it. And the United States needs to stay the hell out of this one. Sorry. We cannot go every part in the world where there are problems. This can get resolved if the Europeans have a will, political will, to resolve it without the help of the United States of America. And I do believe that's what should happen. And we should never, we should never publicly call for the assassination of another leader. I just don't think that that is appropriate. It is not a good way to handle problems. Notice there's a nuance there. We should never publicly call for the assassination of another world leader. Thank you for the call, James Golden with you, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, and we will be back after this. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, is on the air, 77 WABC. You know who that is. There's only one group like this in the world. I don't care if they have to come on stage in wheelchairs. They're still going to be hot. The Rolling Stones bring us back on WABC Talk Radio 77. Well, amen to that. Miss you, girl. Anyway, let's head back to the telephones. Jay in Ohio. Welcome, WABC. What part of Ohio are you calling from, Jay? Toledo. Excellent. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind this morning? Yeah, man. I I don't I don't I don't know if you're for. As a matter of fact, I think you 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 don't like the fact that Russia invaded um, Ukraine. I don't. All right, which is cool. I understand that, but I I feel that it's, I agree with you on one point that it's not our fight. I think that um, Biden waffled which gave uh, Putin the green light to invade the country. Had he not waffled, I don't think that Putin would have gathered his forces and invaded 
Ukraine, and it is in the process of taking it over. I think everybody, Jay, thank you for the call, I think, and you be safe on the, on the roads in Toledo. By the way, folks, there is a massive storm warning that could affect 20 million Americans. And this goes from Alabama, Mississippi, all the way up through the East Coast over the weekend. In some places, the snow has already started to fall. This is called a, a, a bomb cyclone. It is a lot of snowfall that is expected. So if you're on the roads in one of the affected areas, please drive safely. If you don't have to be out in any of the, don't go out unless you have to, if you are living in one of the threatened areas with this and make sure you have your supplies, no need to panic shop besides the shelves are empty under Joe Biden anyway, but you know, make sure you have what you can to, to get you through. Now let's go back to this one second. It is clear that Putin would not have done this if Donald Trump were in office because regardless of what the left says about the relationship between Trump and Biden, we saw the results. We didn't have any of this kind of aggression from Russia when Trump was in office. And now you have Joe Biden, and the entire world sees this bumbling that goes on in the White House the entire world sees every time Kamala steps on a stage and starts cackling away like a like 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 a hen that's on some kind of psych, psychotic drugs or something. <laughs> I mean, what is it, it's insane that we this is our leadership around the world. If if Kamala Harris isn't cackling like a drug-infused hen, she's out saying the dumbest things in the world. Well, Ukraine is a nation, and Russia is a nation. And Russia attacked the smaller nation of the Ukraine. Well, thank you, Kamala, for that brilliant geopolitical analysis. And then, of course, when anyone criticizes her, you have that other group of hens on the view saying it's racist and misogynistic when, in fact, all people are doing is responding to absolute idiocy on the world stage. And so, yes, you have a weakened America, at least from the perspective of foreign leaders like Putin, because what are we presenting to the world? We're presenting Joe Biden... And all of us are amazed when this guy can actually finish a speech and only have two or three gaff points in it. It's like, wow, I don't know what they gave him tonight, but he actually performed kind of well. You know, and then you got old, the, the cackler out there. <laughs> this is our foreign policy? Cackling and bumbling? Everyone's waiting for China to, to, to go into Taiwan because what's America going to do about it under Joe Biden? We're going to send out we're going to send out Kamala Harris. China is a country and they're a really big country. And Taiwan is a country. But in reality, they really belong to China. And all China is doing is taking them back. That's what we can expect from Kamala. <laughs> That's what we can expect from 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 Kamala Harris. 
She's an embarrassment. And it is not racist or misogynistic to call an embarrassment an embarrassment. She's an embarrassment. I don't care what color she is. She's an embarrassment. I don't care what gender she is. She's an embarrassment. She could be cisgendered, transgendered, who gendered, no gendered, or 44 gendered or 99 gendered. She's still an embarrassment. Doesn't matter. She's an embarrassment because she doesn't represent this country well. And so we have a credibility problem. And that does affect the way that other nations deal with the United States of America. Ralph and New Rochelle, WABC Talk Radio 77, welcome to our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Good morning, Mr. Golden. Uh, Earlier you were talking about this sex education for these kindergarten and first graders. I want to know, is is this some sort of cult going on, or why is the minority group of these people so obsessed with some sort of you know, sexual identity. I mean, what what is really behind all this? What are they trying to change? Why the children that age have to be exposed to, you know, this sexual education? And I mean, really, is it a cult? I mean, what's going on with these people? Okay, it is. It is. And I don't believe it is an education. It is a form of indoctrination. What we are told now is let us go back and let's just be perfectly honest about this. Okay, folks. And again, I want to make clear, and this is a disclaimer that I say every time I am not a hater. In fact, like many American families, there are gay people in my extended family and I love them. I have friends that are gay and I love them. And I am not against people that are transgendered because I do believe that that body dysmorphia is a real thing. That said, children should receive sex education from their parents while they are young. This is not the role of government agents, and that's what school teachers are. They are agents of the government. And especially if they have a political or a social agenda. And the agenda is to normalize the lifestyle of homosexuality and to normalize the lifestyles of these alternate genders in the minds of children while they are young so that they grow up understanding or thinking that this is all normal behavior. Now, Let's look at the word normal. That word is used as a pejorative, and I am not intending to use it as a pejorative, but let's look at science. There is this thing called a norm. Most people, the majority of people, overwhelming majority of people, are not gay or are not transgendered. The normal, meaning the norm, in our society is that most people have heterosexual relationships. That doesn't mean that people that do not abide into that normal category should be abused, denied of their rights, treated poorly by anybody. They are children of God just like we are, just like everybody. We all come from the same God, and they need to be treated with the same respect that you would give anybody else, period. 
That said, the role of the schools is not to teach sexuality to young children. It has never been that in the past. In fact, in the past, if a teacher were discussing these things with the, with, with, with young kids, there'd be no question that the teacher would be taken out of school. What we have is a political push in the schools. And parents finally are pushing back. And it's not just sexuality. It's the progressive view on race. That's part of the battle over the critical race theory. In many of these areas, leftists have their own social justice agenda, their own equality agenda, and they are trying to indoctrinate the children of America as young as possible into their point of view. And American parents are finally standing up against this and saying, no way. Now, this chairman of the, of the rodent kingdom, Disney, Walt Disney's empire was built on programming to American children. That's where they became a trusted brand for American children. And how dare this woke CEO start criticizing American parents now who insist that they have the right to, to, to instruct their children and not some woke liberal. And he's doing this to appease his own employees, many of whom have fallen into this woke agenda, and that's what they believe. And you know what? It's okay for them to believe it. I'm not mad at them because they believe this woke agenda. But you don't have the right to pressure American parents into trying to go along with this agenda and abrogate their responsibility as being parents. That's not in the equation. And I'm glad American parents and Governor DeSantis and others are standing up to this. And if Disney wants to take their little rodent kingdom or their their money-making empire rodent kingdom out of Florida, well, then let them take it out because someone else will come in. They don't have the right to insist that American children be indoctrinated by these leftists, and especially when they refuse to stand up to the real human rights abuses that are going on, and Governor DeSantis pointed this out, they refuse to stand up to the real human rights abuses that are going on in China. They don't have the guts because they want that money too bad from China. They want the rodent kingdom wants to have the growth market of China, so they won't dare say anything to the communist thugs in China, but then they'll come to Florida and start bashing conservative parents and traditional American parents, the very parents whose parents gave Disney their success. Hour number one of our three-hour excursion, our three-hour radio extravaganza is done. We've got two hours left. want you to stick around for both of them. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurbly, a.k.a. Bo Snurbly. And we will be right back. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurbly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. 
as we begin our number duo on our three-hour Saturday radio extravaganza. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, with you here. If you'd like to join us, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-WABC. And we welcome your calls. We've been talking about Disney. We've been talking about we've been talking about Ukraine, and a very different point of view in Ukraine came up. Uh, if you weren't with us the first hour, you can go back and check it out on the podcast. And speaking of podcasts, let me do a little shameless promotion here. Um, we have got an amazing podcast that is already in two two episodes have been published. And wait till we do this. Wait till you hear the third that we did this week. It's called The Future Is Now. If any of you have been wondering about this new economy, about Bitcoin, about cryptocurrency, about blockchain and stuff like that, we have one of the most amazing guest hosts of this, James Eisenberg, and he is with Interblock Capital. This is a guy that spent 25 years in Silicon Valley. He knows the tech world. He knows the investment world. He's following this. And one of the things that we've, he's making it quite clear is that we are in the beginning of another revolution, much like the Internet revolution and how it impacted the world. And that is happening in this world of cryptocurrency and blockchain. And that is underway now. One of the things that is also happening, some of the very companies like big financial institutions that have raged against cryptocurrency are right now positioning themselves to enter into the marketplace, which is really interesting. And so he's he's with me. We're explaining a lot, and I am in this playing the role of, and it's not playing a role. It's really, I don't understand this stuff. I didn't understand it. I tried to read up on cryptocurrency early, and I left every article I left with, I was more confused than the last on how is this how does this stuff work so anyway we have a new podcast out you can find it at wabc or wherever you get your podcast red apple media podcast has a plethora of podcasts available and this one is the future is now also i have an on the border podcast that we update every week with immigration news very often we have one of the most amazing reporters in the country, Todd Bensman, who is at the border and has been at the border. And we are going to expand that, start talking with some other people about conditions at the border and our immigration policies. We do a science podcast. We are preparing right now the steps to bring you my COVID stories. And we will be inviting everybody here in the sound of my voice that has had a COVID experience to share with us what your COVID experience was. You know, one thing, the liberals can always try to shut you down and claim you have misinformation if you cite facts. But one thing they cannot say is misinformation is your personal experience with something. I had a personal experience with COVID that was horrific. And if it were not for my doctor, she has not given me permission yet to release her name because she could be under attack because she had to use some unconventional approaches to make sure I didn't die. 
and that was real. But she, for instance, at one point she prescribed me ivermectin. (coughs) The ivermectin made me sick. Sicker, I should say. I immediately got so nauseous, my first dose of ivermectin, that she said, "Uh -uh, nope, we're not going to go with this. And instead, she moved me to hydroxychloroquine, along with another series of um, supplements, vitamins, and other nutrients. I mean, she's an amazing doctor. She was on the phone with the people actually taking care of me during my COVID experience for anywhere from two to three hours a day. And as a result, I pull through. But many of you have your own COVID experiences, so we're lining that up right now. You can always reach me at jamesgolden.com or bosnerdly.com, either one, jamesgolden.com. And we will have a mechanism in place soon that we will be able to start taking people's COVID experiences and figuring out how we're going to do this. The left can't. And by the way, these sometimes I have little gaps of silence here because I still have COVID cough. The cough that still lingers after COVID. But the experiences that you have, nobody can say that's misinformation. Now, these liberals can, can try to shut you down, and they successfully shut doctors down that have a point of view. And you know this is political because the moment Donald Trump talked about hydrochloroquine, the left had a hissy fit, their panties were in the wad, and they went on a political attack with their corrupt allies in the mainstream media to discredit not only President Trump, but discredit the treatment. And that's what they've done. They have successfully discredited a lot of treatments that could possibly, I am not a doctor, I am not a doctor, could possibly have helped other people. I know for a fact that the treatments that were prescribed to me by my doctor helped me. And as a result, I'm still here. So we will be doing a podcast shortly on my COVID stories in addition. But go check out The Future Is Now. Check out all of the Red Apple Media podcasts. Go to the WABC website, wabcradio.com. You can find not just mine, every host on this radio station, and we have got some amazing hosts here. Every host on this radio station is doing podcasts, and aside from their regular shows. And so we are just blazing a new trail here when it comes to content at WABC and Red Apple Media. Okay, that's the shameless promotion stuff over. Now, what we didn't talk about last hour, we talked about what's going on in Florida with, with the rodent kingdom, that would be Disney, and, and their chairman lambasting the parents who actually want and demand to teach their own children about sexuality instead of government agents, because that's what educational professionals are. They work for the government. So we talked about that. We talked about Ukraine and offered a very different point of view of what's going on in the Ukraine, thanks to our friend, Joyce Kaufman. We didn't talk about Juicy. Well, there's a story in the Washington Examiner today, Schmollett to undergo mental health assessment. Oh, what is this, I say? 
Well, the Cook County Sheriff's Office in Illinois announced that actor Juicy Smollett will undergo a mental health assessment following his outburst in court. Smollett will be given a comprehensive medical, mental health, and security assessment and will be placed in appropriate housing, the department said. Now, you remember, after he was sentenced to serve just 150 days behind bars, Smollett went total drama. I am not suicidal. I am not suicidal. I am not suicidal. If something happens to me, just know I am not suicidal. Something happens to me. Don't drop the soap, pal. And mean, meanwhile, this, his statement was so bizarre. If I did this, then it means I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. This is all part of his, his rant, this, this drama-filled rant. Now, as much as I would like to just leave this story the way it is that, okay, the boy might be nuts, so, excuse me, the young man might be nuts, so they're going to give him a mental health assessment. Let's just be real. Every prisoner that goes in the jail, they give him a mental health assessment. So they're just, you know, playing this up. This is normal procedure. From what I understand, I haven't gone through it myself, in case you're wondering, this is normal. But I do watch those shows like Lock Up and, and, and In Jail Forever and Traveling in Foreign Country Lock Up. Like our WNBA star should have known, you don't bring drugs into a foreign country. Anyway, this is all normal, but it's still fun to read. Schmollett to undergo mental health assessment. Woohoo! What are they going to find out that we already didn't know? Another one apparently that should be having a mental health assessment is over at CBS Evening News. This story prints out to 12 pages if you printed out the whole thing. It's the toxic behavior that anchorette Norma, Norma O'Donnell brought to the CBS Evening News. You know, CBS Evening News. I mean, they used to call this place the Tiffany Network because it was like we were supposed to get from that pure news, oh, we're the best, we're Tiffany. We are the Tiffany Network. We're better than everybody else. We have Tiffany. Well, the Tiffany Network right now Seems to be like the flea market network. She's in third place in the ratings of the networks. They've got a new CEO over there, and he's worried about money. He's cutting back things. And then they go on and on about her toxic behavior. Apparently, she has hissy fits about if her hair and makeup isn't done right, left employees near tears. She demands a full dress rehearsal of the newscast a half an hour before the show starts, which is like just that would drive people crazy enough. She has a $65,000 a year wardrobe allowance for clothes. She's particular about the designers. And she goes on and on and on. This is like typical like diva stuff. So apparently the people at uh, the people at uh CBS have had it, and they're starting to spill the beans. I mean, come on. I mean, this, it's like all these people, who was it? Ellen. 
they talked about how toxic it was working with Ellen. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee. There's a picture of Jamie Lee Curtis. If you didn't know it was Jamie Lee Curtis, you wouldn't know it was Jamie Lee Curtis. The belly's out. She's eating a smiley face cookie. All gray hair with glasses with a stern look on her face. And she, according to the story, refused to wear body prosthetics. She says she's done sucking her stomach in. And she's now releasing every muscle I had that I used to clinch to hide the reality. The film is everything, everywhere, all at once. She's not concealing her appearance. And boy, if you look on social media, some of the fans are not happy. Now, I think she's kind of brave to do this. It's like, look, this is who I am. And let's get over this. But 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 movies are about, have never been about really reality. It's about the world that, I don't know, you want to make, especially nonfiction stuff. Which reminds me again, there was a big article, there was a, a, a lead article over the BizPack Review this morning. The first thing I do when I scroll down, I see this big butt staring me in the face. And it's about Sports Illustrated. And they have what they call curvy women. Now, curvy doesn't necessarily mean that the woman's a voluptuary. There's curvy, there's curvy voluptuary, right? Which means to most men, excuse me, and I'm, I'm a guy, I know. Curvy voluptuary means, yeah, you got it going on. You're not, you're not a skinny rail. You're not petite. But you look, you, you, you got woman. You, you're woman, woman. You got curves. You, you're woman. You got assets, physical assets that men look at and that apparently women look at too. Anyway, um, and then so you're a voluptuary, and it's wonderful. Men love voluptuaries and, and have always throughout the centuries love voluptuaries. That's not what Sports Illustrated necessarily means by curvy. We had a we used to use another word for what they're calling curvy. And that word is fat. Now, I don't mean it to be insulting. I'm fat. I'm trying to lose some weight. I've gotten this is like ridiculous. This is why this is one of the reasons why I totally understand like people that are going through dysmorphia. When you get older and you look at your body sometimes and you say, what the hell happened to me? And you really do have to, and it's not easy. When your body has been in rebellion and has gotten bigger, it is not easy to make it tame again and say, okay, we want to be, you know, svelte again. It's not an easy process. It's a lot of work just to lose five, 10 pounds, let alone if you have to lose a hundred so you look at Sports Illustrated and some of these pictures of the women that are featured this year in their swimsuit edition, which, by the way, I never went out and bought the swimsuit edition anyway. I'm not a teenager. When I was a teenager, I didn't even buy it. But it's this is like for the new thing of diversity, we're supposed to celebrate everybody. Good luck with that, because I don't know how the sales are going to go with this. 
But if you have seen this picture of Jamie Lee Curtis, and you can find it almost everywhere in the New York Post today, it's in page six. Go to BizPack, look at the swim swimsuit edition stuff. And, you know, if you want to weigh in on that, no pun intended, open to do that too. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Stanley, we're coming back right after this. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. WABZ Talk Radio 77. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby, a double bump for you here. Little pretty woman. And then, little brick house. That's right, WABC Talk Radio 77. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, with you here. WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And tonight, music radio WABC with Cousin Brucie. Make sure you stick around. Keep it on your radio all day and all night long. Telephone number if you want to be part of the show, 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. Now, there is an editorial coming back to your calls in just a minute. There's a there's an editorial in the New York Post by the editorial board that really, really, really is important. They have, we, we have a new chancellor of skews, chancellor. And where do we get these? these I mean, chancellor. That's not, every time I hear chancellor, I, I think about the guy in Germany who took over the chancellorship way back when and, and then was one of the most horrific beings in the entire world. Well, we have high hopes for Chancellor David Banks, which makes his decision to let down New York City kids by sticking with a cockamamie new high school application system all the more disappointing, says the New York Post editorial board. And what this is, this is a a new admissions policy that was cooked up by that loser, that politically inept, that horrendous mayor that we are finally rid of, Bill de Blasio. Now, the Post editorial board says de Blasio never had the courage to put this in. While he was in office, he he's tried to stick it to New Yorkers on the way out. Those are my words. Here's what this new policy is. All kids with grade averages of 85 or higher would be able to apply to get into, you know, these the specialized schools and a lottery. They all become top-tier lottery, and we just pick. And that means that kids are no longer getting into the top schools of their choice by merit. Instead, 
Instead, they're all thrown together and then a lottery pick. Now, you know what this is supposed to solve, and this is just pure racism. And it is pure racism because it's supposed to solve the the problem, and the post alludes to this. It is a gesture to equality advocates who demand simplistic answers to the troubling fact, troubling, troubling fact that Asian students do much better than their black counterparts. Oh, no, we can't have this. While the Asians, they're running circles around everybody else. We can't have that. What do we do? Well, let's stick them all in the, let's stick them all in and make them do a lottery. We'll get less of those Asians, maybe get more of those blackies. So, so here's what they're going to do. They're going to penalize Asian kids for being, for being academically, dare I say the words, yes, I dare say the words because I dare say them, academically superior. <gasps> no! Superior! Yes, academically superior. And the only reason they're academically superior than anybody else is not just blacks, it's whites. It's Indians. It's everybody they're running circles around. It's because their parents are insisting that they take their education seriously from the time they're kids. And their parents aren't putting up with these kids going to school with behavior problems and trying to beat up their fellow students and trying to beat up their teachers. Their parents are really concerned that the kids do the homework, that they put in extra time learning. Their parents show up at schools. They're actually interested in their kids' behavior. And guess what happens? Their kids perform better because they are expected to perform better. Their kids aren't running around listening to drill music and gangster rap and trying to figure out how they can be the baddest-ass gangster by the time they're 15, 16, 17. Their kids aren't running around trying to get a $150 pair of sneakers so they can go to school and lord all the sneakers over everybody else. Their kids aren't sitting up on Facebook and Instagram all day long or TikTok trying to put on some new dance moves for everybody else to show that they can dance or that they're culturally hip. No, their kids are actually got their noses in the books. They're studying. And so the Asian kids do well. And what the hell is wrong with that? We should be applauding the Asian kids. Way to go. This is how you do it. This is what it means to come to America and live the American dream. You want determined you 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 want to be rewarded for your achievements? Here's how you do it. And by the way, you achieve. So guess what? You get first pick at going to the best schools. But no, 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 no. We can't have that. We can't have Asian kids doing better than anybody else. So we got to come up with some racist scheme to suppress their achievement. And this is what liberalism is all about. Bigotry, racism, and every other evil thing you can think of, all in the name of so-called equality. And this new chancellor is going along with this crap. This is a disgrace. 
And you're not helping black kids, by the way. You're only hurting them more by telling them that failure is permissible. These people are idiots. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, we're coming back right after this. Now, here's the soul of excellence. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, on 77 WABC. The one, the only, Prince. When Doves Cry brings us back. What an amazing talent. You know, there's still material from the Prince catalog that his estate is releasing. And apparently they're going to be able to release material for years to come. What an amazing talent. Not only an amazing musician, composer, arranger, but an amazing performer. I got a chance to see him live once. Uh, He turned it out. Well, I mean, what an age, too. I mean, go back to the 80s. We had we had MJ and we had Prince, and apparently they didn't like each other too much. Um, <laughs> and then on the other hand, you had all this great jazz music that was coming out, the jazz fusion age, it was called. We had a caller yesterday that talked about Al Demiola, guitar player with um, Return to Forever, and who's right here from Bergenfield, New Jersey. I didn't know that. And then we had guys like Chick Corea. I had a, I, someone contacted me and said, you know, you didn't mention Mahavishnu Orchestra when you were talking about Mahavishnu Orchestra was amazing. The Birds of Fire album. And then you had guys like Billy Cobham. And then you had great pop music and great rock and roll music. You had Yes. Oh, man. It's so, it was an explosion of music in almost every genre. You pick it, country, reggae, and now today, music seems to be dominated by electronica. It's not, it's, well, that's another story for another day. Let's not go on any tangents, James. By the way, the Democrats are uh, thinking about getting rid of uh, Iowa and New Hampshire as the f- first states to vote in the primaries. Now, for years, Democrats have been saying that these two states shouldn't be first because they're too white. Did he say that? Yes, I just said it. When you when you put down all the other arguments, they always code what they mean with all these fancy, well, you know, they're, they're, they're not equitable to the voters, and, and we need to diversify. And what they're saying is, no, no, we got too many white people voting in Iowa and New Hampshire, and they shouldn't be picking the presidents. Let's go somewhere where we can get more representation for minorities. Okay, fine, just say it. But anyway, they're debating it now. I don't think, now Iowa is a mess. If you remember the last two caucuses there, Democrats, I don't even know whether we got the results of the last Iowa caucus. Because those people would just, they just, they they mucked the whole thing up. It was just terrible. It was an embarrassment. So they might get rid of Iowa, the Iowa caucus being first. 
But they're not going to get rid of New Hampshire. People have been trying to do this for ages. And if you think the New Hampshire's are just going to sit around and say, okay, take it away from us, we'll be okay, we're cool, we're cool, ain't going to happen. That's my prediction. Anywho, let's head back to the telephones. And where should we start? Let us start with Steve in Westchester. Welcome, Steve in Westchester, WABC Talk Radio 77 with James Golden. How you doing, Alpha? Listen, uh, I just have a quick uh, suggestion for Zelensky. Um, if Putin is going to do the, na- the nuclear saber rattling, uh, you know, Zelensky can do the same thing. They can just threaten to turn the power off to all the nuclear reactors he's got. And then in a thousand years, maybe they can come, the Russians can come back in after the radiation is cleared. Well, that is actually something that has been already on the table in a different sort of way, the Ukrainians were saying that, in fact, power was cut off to Chernobyl. And if it remained cut off, it was a grave threat because, obviously, if you can't cool the nuclear rods, then you're looking at another explosion, much like what Chernobyl happened before. By the way, that is one of the... You know, HBO to me kind of just really sucks most of the time because it's a bunch of liberals running the joint like everywhere else. And I don't watch. It's not just HBO. I shouldn't say that. That's kind of mean. I I subscribe to a few of these things. I'm sure you do, too. It's it's amazing. We all wanted to cut the cable to lower prices. And by the time you resubscribe to everything, you're paying more money than ever before. So I look at Netflix like I have a subscription to Netflix that I keep on saying, is this worth it? Is this worth it? I Amazon Prime, um, Disney Plus, only because I want to see The Mandalorian. And they're going to do what they did before, I bet, when the Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan has a new um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's the movie coming out. And the trailer looks freaking awesome. The trailer dropped this week. The same day that Disney CEO was ragging about Florida, they dropped the Obi-Wan trailer. And that worked for me because I was just about to say, you know what? Maybe I need to stop my Disney subscription. But then the OB1 trailer dropped the same day, and I'm like, uh, I think I'll keep it because they're going to stream it on Disney Plus and probably charge you a premium. And this is a long way away from Steve's question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to it. So then there's, there's that. I subscribe to Acorn so I can get some British programming and then a few others. But what I find is that most of the stuff, all these subscriptions, I don't even want to see most of the stuff because it's so, it's so dystopian. It's so like I don't know how many movie descriptions start off with, in a post-apocalyptic world. It's like what are these? It's all the Earth is coming to an end. Everybody's evil, or everything is dying. Everything's rotten, or else. Then you start moving into all these perverse, which I don't even want to get into. Like I don't even know. It's been decades since I watched a horror movie because I refuse. The perversion that these horror movie makers go, I don't even want to be inside those brains. I don't even want to see that stuff. I don't want to have that stuff inside my brain. So I stopped watching those ages ago. But... um Anyway, I all of that to say, HBO had a great miniseries on the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. 
And if you have a chance to see it, if you haven't seen it, and this is the kind of thing that interests you, it is one of the most incredible miniseries I have ever seen in my life. It was really amazing, well done, and that is rare in that world. But Chernobyl and other nuke facilities in Ukraine are a threat to humanity. And no one should ever use them as a political ploy either. I mean, it is just too dangerous to do that. Let us go to Brooklyn. And Tommy, Tommy, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you this morning? Hi. Great. I'm great. I I got that brick house on my mind. I'm going to have it on my mind all day now. (laughs) Um, I got to say something about Smollett. You know, well, that guy is on the joy. You know, sometimes you feel like a nut. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Almond Joy has peanuts. Mounds don't. Or something like that. My God, yeah. Uh, what he was, I think what he's doing is some form of, he has like some kind of bipolar anxiety or maybe even borderline personality you know, disorder. You know, like cackles, you know, Kamala Harris. Maybe they're related. You never know. <laughs> you know, I raised that the other day. There's something weird about cackles because she does this so often. And you know her advisors must have told her, hey, cackles. You got to stop this. It's embarrassing us. But every time she gets out there, she looks a little nervous, and then comes the. <laughs> and there comes the cackling. It's like, it's almost like it's a tick or something. It's almost like she's got Tourette's or something. And I'm not making fun of that at all. But it's something really odd about the way that Kamala Harris can't keep it to herself. She's got to cackle no matter what. But I like that. So so what do you think the, the, the end goal is for Jushy Smollett? Yeah, well, I'm not a doctor, but uh, I, I, I have some, I have some, let's say, um, I, I, I have mental illness, so I understand some of the stuff. But I think he's trying to get to a psych ward thinking that it might be safer. But he better be careful because I had a buddy that went to, to the psych ward on Rikers Island, and two guys had a fight, and they stabbed each other with pens, you know, just pens that they had around. And so I don't know. I, I just, I, you know what? It, well, all, I hope... he's, he's a drama queen. You know, he's, he's an actor. I think it's all an act. What he was doing in that in that room in the, when he got when he got arrested. I mean, mm-hmm. in the okay. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what other people think. You know what? I hope for his sake, and, and and all kidding aside, I hope that they isolate him so that he can. He's going to be in there for like a hundred something days or something, maybe. Just isolate him. Make sure that he doesn't come into contact with Gen Pop. Because, you know, I sound like I know what's going on in prison. Gin pop. I, I see that from lockdown on all these other shows. They put them in gin pop. Well, make sure that uh, because it is a safety risk anytime you're in one of these uh, jail systems. Um, like, for instance, the people from Jan 6 are being held in a jail in Washington, D.C. that sounds more like Abu Ghraib than it sounds like an American jail. But nobody cares about them because they're the Jan 6 people. Anyway, thanks for your show. Let's go to Flemington, New Jersey. And Al, I said thanks for the show. Thanks for the call. Flemington, New Jersey. Al, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. Good morning, Mr. Golden. The soul of excellence. I love that. Uh, Thank you. So so as I, as I listened to you, um, you know, I, you talked about COVID. I, uh, I am a respiratory practitioner. As a matter of fact, I just got off my shift. And uh, I've been doing this for 40 years and also... 
the forgotten crew that played the uh, critical role during COVID. I sympathize. You know, I understand exactly what you might have gone through. I've treated these individuals. I intubate these people. So I, I understand. And I've seen a lot uh, during this uh, pandemic. Uh, but I, I basically wanted to call you for the great job that you're doing, and, and kudos to you. I mean, you are—it's—it's uh, it's really a treat to really listen to you uh, when I get a chance. Oh, Al, thank you. I really appreciate that. Made my day. Let me ask you a question. Um, my doctor did everything in human possible. They were like, "No, we have to keep you out of the hospital because the fear was if you go in the hospital, you're not coming out." So they did, um, and. A lot of the people that were intubated did not make it through. In fact, in some cases, depending on the demographic, it was like very few of them made it out of the hospital. You worked in this environment. And and by the way, one of the things that I find most reprehensible about this is all you people, you first responders, you people that worked before there was a vaccine, before there was any of this, you put your life on the line to help people. And as soon as they got a vaccine, then people that refused to comply got fired. It was like you went from being heroes to being zeros. But I want to ask you more about your experience working in this environment. How did you keep your mental health? How did you stay balanced if you did? Or was it depressing? Was it What was it like? For you, well, first of all, I'm a father of six, so that in itself, <laughs> that in itself is a challenge right there. And four of them are girls, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay. So, 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 so sometimes going to work is is, is a lot less stressed than it is at home. <laughs> but, but at any rate. Being said that, I, yeah, it, it, listen, I, we, there's a lot of us that had to get concerned and, and a lot of us that had to get therapy and so forth. I mean, it, 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 let's just put it this way. Around just before the holiday, the Christmas holiday, we had a refrigerator truck that came in because uh, we got we one of the hospitals. I'm affiliated with a couple of hospitals, a couple of nursing homes, and we're one of the hospitals that got hit the worst. So it wasn't the first time around that we had the refrigerator truck with so many bodies, but it was the second time around it just as well. So, yeah, I mean, I kept it together. I, I mean, you know what it is? I love what I do, and I love helping people. At the at the other end is, is unfortunately, this time around, some of the people that did, were not vaccinated got hit really, really bad. And, and uh, I really feel sorry because every week I, I came across someone or someone that I had to intubate, and usually 20 to 30 percent make it back after they get intubated from complications. And I kind of felt bad for them because I said to them, why didn't you get vaccinated or what was the reason? And some of them were like really had no excuse. And I just felt bad. I mean, listen, I'm not for I'm not one to say people should be forced to do anything as far as getting vaccinations. I get it. I understand that because at the end of the day, you're still going to spread it. Right. Uh, If you get it. But the thing is, the thing is that I've seen so many people that I had to intubate that died a week later. And, um, you know, it, it, it was quite a bit. I mean, it wasn't, and this is not channel two, or this is not, cha- you know, uh, C- you know, uh, CNN. This is, I mean, I actually dealt with this. You stuff saw this. This was your life. You were dealing yeah, with this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm saturated. We have three right now at the hospital, a big institution. We only have three. I mean, one of them was kind of like semi struggling, but I seen this. I mean, I seen where we had to get crew from all over the country just to help us out because we could just 
we couldn't just maintain. I mean, it was like fire drills going on left and right everywhere. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, listen, it's probably going to be like the flu, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be like the flu every year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kept it together just basically. I've always, I mean, there's a lot of people that went through a lot. I mean, there were times when you wear that, you know, you got out of work and you're just like shaking your head and you're like saying, my goodness, I mean, what a day. I mean, it was one after the other, after the other, after the other, it just wasn't letting up. And, but you know, we're, we do this all the time. Right. So, I mean, we, we just had to get a little stronger. And uh, like I said, just being, being a dad of six gave me a lot of strength to to deal with every day you know a lot of things especially the four girls but um it's it's it's, it's, uh, time you mentioned that folks yeah but let me just say this to you too and i appreciate everything you say but i just want to make one point i was vaccinated and my experience with it was horrible okay and so it's not just the the unvaccinated people that were vaccinated were also some of them had a, and I don't know what the numbers are, and I'm not pretending I know. I don't know. I only know for myself. I was vaccinated, and I had a miserable ride through COVID, and almost didn't make it out. No, no, we 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 had that too. Sure, absolutely. No, you know, I I, I would I would say it would say it was sixty sixty percent sixty to seventy of the ones that were not vaccinated that were having the worst. Tri- I mean, the hypoxic drive is not really that intense on people that are vaccinated, unless you have other conditions. You're still going to have other conditions, just like you know, you have heart heart condition. If you have, yeah. you know, if you you're still going to have issues, you know, with COVID. But but at the end of the day, I mean, it was a lot of, you know, I would say a 60 to 70. And if I had to just draw, I mean, I, I don't know this, but we had quite a bit um, this time around and the first time around. Well, um, Al, let me again. just say this because I got to grab some other calls. But let me say this. We all owe you and your coworkers and everybody that was dealing with this pandemic with your lives at risk. We all owe you a debt of gratitude. And I hope that you are feeling the appreciation and the love from the patients that you helped bring through and from those that you tried to bring through and didn't make it through from their families too because you guys, without without the effort of you and your coworkers and people like you, this this thing would have been so much worse. And it is already bad. So thank you, Al, from the bottom of our hearts. Appreciate that. Let us go to Steve in Jersey City, New Jersey. Steve, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. Hello, Steve. How are you in Jersey? Is it Jersey City? Yes, you are. This show is golden. Excellent. Um, I just discovered you. I remember you as the producer for um, Rush. I've got so many questions really quickly. How'd you come up with the name Mr. Snurdly? Isn't it like a comic book character name? There were always snurdlies on the Rush Limbaugh show. No one remembers the other ones because I was there for almost 30 years. There was Marva Snurdly. There was Mervyn Snurdly. The first snurdly came to uh, to Bean because she didn't want to be identified as working on the show because she was a liberal, and she was embarrassed to have her liberal friends know she was working with a conservative genius. And so that was the beginning of the snurdly line. And after me, of course, there will be no more snurdlies. I'm it. Well, you know what? It ended with the best one. Um, here's the deal. 
you, you, before I get to my point, uh, what really great, I put you, I threw you up on Facebook. I love that picture of you with, with a fedora. I got to get myself a Bud Abbott fedora. I love him. Um, when you started mentioning music, you were talking about how good music was back then. Like when you said yes, I said, I got to call it. Uh, a quick question about music too, real quick. Back in the 60s and 70s, you had the greatest black music known to mankind. You had Motown. You had Stax. You had the sounds of Philadelphia. All this brilliant, brilliant black music. My question, one question is, where did, where did the black music make a wrong turn? I mean, it's it's horrible today. I'm sorry, you know the rap, the gangster rap is just it's sickening. It's really well. I think all of us that came through through that era. Look, I mean, you, look, you're hitting the hot button right here because I can tell you this. I have been with artists um, at. I have walked in with artists and sat in on meetings, and with what we used to call back in the day IBM, intelligent black music. And I have sat in these meetings and watched these artists get told that they would not get signed because their music was too smart for the marketplace. And they wanted to basically lower. So you look at this and you look at this, 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 this horror story that's going on right now with drill, with gangster rap and all this. This is by design. The same liberals, the same corrupt liberals that are running every other institution run the record industry. And if you want to know why music, and it's not just black music, but if you want to know why music is in the shape that it's in today, it's because liberals run the record industry. That's the short story. Do we have to go to a break, guys? Did I blow? We do. We got to go to a break. I'm so sorry. I blew past the break. Look, Steve, I want to talk about this more. And so um, any day you call back, I'd love to hear from you again. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. We'll be back right after this. Knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77 New York. Those voices, the one and only Isley Brothers. Ronnie Isley singing lead. I once you had a your loving. Can't let go. So true. You know, I have an Isley Brothers. I have a few Isley Brothers stories. First of all, shout out to Chris Jasper. Now, anytime you hear some of these Isley Brothers songs, you might be listening to something written by Chris Jasper. He's one of the Isley Brothers. He was one of the younger group that came on, the original three. And then they brought in the younger. That was the first album they did together, the 3 Plus 3 album. With the current, well then, the the current version of the Isley Brothers that made all those hits. For the Love of You, this song, so many others. Yeah. Yeah. So I was at, uh, my cousin was a disc jockey, which is how I got in the business. Um, and he was a very popular disc jockey here in New York. So I was hanging out with him, and we were over at the Isleys at one of the houses, he, Ronnie's house, I think. And Ronnie was just, this was like, I always remember, it was like noon or something. 
And he was just walking around the house, you know, doing things this weekend, having his coffee, whatever. But he was singing For the Love of You a cappella. And I was mesmerized because his voice, just hearing him live, like just being four feet or five feet away from him, it was just so remarkable. I will never forget it. Just an amazing singer. And I've had the chance to have a lot of conversations over the years with uh, Chris Jasper, who is a Juilliard graduate, who is just an amazing musician, composer. He does um, not only, and he's still, by the way, Gold City Records is his record label. He's still producing music, and it's great music. In fact, he did a, another version of For the Love of You. So just amazing. Isley Brothers on WABC Talk Radio 77. We have our third hour yet to come today, and I will tell you some of the things I want to touch on. That would be what's going on in Texas with the transgender children. And by the way, Texas with this abortion law, there's been developments on that too. But the highlight, of course, of the hour will be when we get a chance to talk to Her Royal Highness. Her Majesty, Her Royalnessness, the one and only Princess Di. And we're going to cover some of the political news and policy news around the country. And, of course, the biggest highlight, your telephone calls. So if you're on hold, stay on hold. We're going to get to as many calls as we can in our last hour here of our three-hour radio extravaganza. Have another cup of coffee with us. Hang out with us. It's Saturday. Let's have some fun. We'll be right back after this. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Boy, this is the fastest three hours in... Oh, wait a minute. That's plagiarism. <laughs> James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Sterling, with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77. This is our number three of our three-hour radio extravaganza each and every Saturday here on WABC. We are on every Monday through Friday as well at 4 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern Time. If you want to join us during this last hour, 848-WABC is the number to call 800-848-WABC. Let's talk Texas. Let's talk Tejas for a few minutes. And then, of course, we have Princess Di coming with us. Cannot wait. Always looking forward to that. A Texas clinic lawsuit over their abortion ban is effectively over now. The Texas Supreme Court yesterday dealt essentially a final blow to abortion clinics' best hopes of stopping what the press calls a restrictive law that has sharply curtailed the number of abortions in the state since September and will now stay in place for the foreseeable future. The ruling by the all-Republican court was not unexpected, but it slammed the door on what little path forward the U.S. Supreme Court had allowed Texas clinics after twice declining to stop a ban on abortions after roughly six weeks of pregnancy. So what the Republicans did on this one is they did not, they did not allow the state to bring charges against these abortion providers. 
they allowed individual citizens to sue. So it's not the state that's involved. And boy, has this thrown a monkey wrench into all of the abortion battles around the country. And now the Texas Supreme Court says, hey, this is okay. We're going to let it continue. The left, of course, is outraged. Outraged. This is outrageous. Outrageous. Now, a Texas court, more news from Tejas. A Texas court has halted abuse inquiries into parents of transgender children. You you may remember that Governor Abbott down there said, look, we're going to start investigating whether these kids are being subjected to child abuse. Now, this might sound contradictory to what I was talking about with Disney, where parents have the right to determine the destinies of what their children are being taught. But I don't see it as a contradiction from this point of view. What is happening is that children, even before they reach puberty, in some cases, are being given these life-changing drugs to change their gender. And sometimes it's by one parent over the objection of another parent. And what Abbott was doing was saying, no, let's investigate this. Let's make sure that these children aren't being subjected to abuse. Now, this is a tough one. Because parents and their doctor expect a reasonable degree of privacy about decisions that the private the parent is making. The parent is the parent, after all. But these are decisions that are lifelong decisions for kids that are not mature enough to make the decisions themselves. Which begs the question, what's going on with this? Now, I, I will tell you that I have a friend in another state that had to move out of the state because his daughter was going through some things like this. And basically, the school was interfering in the decision-making process. And if he objected too strongly, they would take his child away from him. So he said, you know what? Forget this. He and the family just moved out of that state. It happened to be the state of Washington. I would let him tell his own story if he wants to. It is a frightening story about what's going on in that state with kids that are that say they're dysmorphic and they're young, or parents, the battle between the parents and the state over who can make decisions. And you know in some states there's a push on to let these children declare themselves to be independent of their parents at a very young age so that the parents don't even have to be informed that they would have this uh, uh, gender-bending surgery or procedures. It's, these are strange times we're living in, folks. Very strange times. So we shall see Judge... Justice, and I love this story. We'll do this. We'll head to a break early, and then when we get back, Princess Di. Justice Clarence Thomas has spoken up. ABC News is covering this, but it's really an Associated Press story. 
Justice Clarence Thomas said he's very concerned about the efforts to politicize the court and to pack the court with more justices. Justice Thomas was delivering a speech in front of 500 people at what the Associated Press calls an upscale hotel in Salt Lake City. He told them, you can cavalierly talk about packing or stacking the court. You can cavalierly talk about doing this or doing that. At some point, the institution is going to be compromised. By doing this, you continue to chip away at the respect of the institutions that the next generation is going to need if they're going to have a civil society. Now, this, by the way, is exactly what Justice Sotomayor was doing because lately she's been talking from the other end about how the court is being politicized by decisions that don't go her way. The ABC News article goes on to say that Jenny Thomas, Justice Thomas's wife, and longtime conservative activist has faced scrutiny this year for her political activity and involvement in groups that file briefs about cases in front of the court, as well as using her Facebook page to amplify partisan attacks. Uh, this is a smear on Jenny because Jenny Thomas is free to be an independent woman. What happened to the idea of supporting independent, strong women? Well, when it's Jenny Thomas that's involved, then all of a sudden we're going to get these smear attacks. There was an article that from the New York Times recently that claimed in the article that Jenny Thomas was involved in the planning of the January 6th so-called insurrection, in quotes. And Jenny Thomas had nothing at all to do with the planning, the planners of the January 6th organization even acknowledged and had told the New York Times apparently in advance, this is what they say, they had told the New York Times in advance that she was not involved with the planning, but they went with it anyway. There has been a move underfoot to attack Jenny Thomas because she's effective. So... I love the fact that um, that Justice Thomas is speaking out. And he also talked about the cancel culture. He said he's afraid, particularly in this world of cancel culture attack, he says, I don't know where you're going to learn to engage as we did when I grew up. If you don't learn at that level in high school, in grammar school, in your neighborhood, or in civic organizations, then how do you have it, meaning the engagement? How do you have it when you're making decisions in government? in the legislature, or in the courts. So Justice Thomas, speaking out about the cancel culture, you know, I I predict that if America survives, as we all hope it will, that this period of time, people are going to look at Justice Thomas as being the most influential member of the court. And Politico ran an article last year and it was so funny. The cover was hysterical of their article. They had an illustration. And it showed Justice Thomas popping up in the White House. Justice Thomas popping up 
in in Congress. Just as pom- he was popping up all over the place. They had little cutouts of him everywhere, and it talked about his influence. He's been on the court so long, but one of the things that he has done is cultivate an army of clerks that have people that have clerked for him, that have gone on to become a power base of their own in Washington, D.C., and their influence. His influence is far greater than most people give him credit for, and certainly well beyond his intellectual prowess. You remember Harry Reid made one of the most racist, vicious attacks on Justice Thomas, the late Harry Reid, saying that he pretty much didn't have the intellect. Well, guess what? There have been other articles in recent years that have pointed out that Justice Thomas's decisions, and even his, and even the ones where he has um, has not agreed with the court, have been very influential in the way that the entire court has leaned over the past few years. In other words, he's the rock. So just glad to see Justice Thomas speaking up. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, here with you. Your call's coming up, but we're going to talk with Princess Di first, then your calls. So don't go away. Everybody on hold, stay there. We're going to get you. We'll talk with you soon. Princess Di comes up next. We'll be right back. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on 77 WABC. It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. I just love her theme music. It is so, so royal, so, so pristine. And what better music to introduce America's Princess of Policy, her royalness, her highnessness, her everythingness, her lovelinessness. Her brilliantnessness. <laughs> she sits alone, surveying all that she sees as her own. <laughs> America's princess, Princess Diana, Princess Di. Welcome to our Saturday morning of radio extravaganza, Your Highness. How are you? Thank you so much, Sir James, the Knight of the Golden Order, the Duke of A.K.A. Bo Sturdley. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get over this guy sending me an email. This is pathetic. What's his problem? What's, what, is, what is the why? I don't know. It's sad you? that I call myself James Golden, A.K.A. Bo Snurley, even though I am <laughs> James Golden, also known as Bo Snurley. <laughs> yes, that is the truth. Well, Disney. The, the rodent kingdom. The um, Have you ever been to the rodent kingdom? I never have. I live in Florida, and I have never been there. I have had people and family stay with us, and they have taken the kids, the grandkids there, but I've never gone. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been to the rodent kingdom, but never to the, to the official park. I had to meet some people over in one of the hotels, and then one of my friends was playing with Journey once, and I went to one of the rehearsals over there, but I didn't actually stick around for the show. 
So anyway, but anyway, the CEO of the Rodent Kingdom says that he's going to stop all, he's going to stop Florida's campaign donations over this don't say gay, which is not the name of the bill, Bill. Anyway, um, I, fine. So, but I don't, I don't think he's going to stop all donations. I think what he's saying is, no, we're not going to give any money to these damn Republicans that voted for this thing. What, what's, what's going on with this? Well, actually, there is a funny wrinkle with that. There was a, a series of tweets from Jack Cochiaro, Cochirelli, a Democrat digital strategist. Listen to this. 1 p.m. yesterday. Breaking. Disney is pausing all political donations in Florida. Keep up the pressure. Keep saying gay. And then there's a little rainbow flag. 4 p.m. yesterday. Here's what he said. Can someone ask the Disney CEO why they paused donations to Florida Democrats? <laughs> We're standing up for student democracy and a woman's right to choose. Does he have a problem with that? <laughs> so actually, they have paused all donations, and the Democrats expected what you just said, that they would just pause the Republican donations. But no, they paused the Democrat donations, too, to their shock. So that is a little amusing. Well, this Disney guy, the, the, the head of the Rodent Kingdom, may not be as uh, unsavvy as I was thinking he was. He may have figured this out. Okay, I have to appease my employees because they're all mad at me because I didn't say so. Let me say it. Okay, so now we're just going to stop. We're going to stop doing the politics because Republicans take their kids to the Rodent Kingdom, too. Yeah, he's he's between a rock and a hard place, his customers versus employees. And he has gone on an apology tour because, as you know, to the left, conservative speech is violence and silence is violence. So he made the mistake of being silent on the issue. Now, violence on the left is never violence, but silence is violence when it doesn't support the agenda of the left. And so now he is going around saying, oh, I've made I've failed. I missed the mark. And I I'm really an ally to, you know, all people. He's now framing this as a human rights issue. And he said this law is a, a challenge to basic human rights, which, of course, it's not. But that is now he's trying to save his job because he's got he had a real uh, mutiny within the ranks of his of his employees. Plus, they were starting a boycott Disney thing. So now he's now joined the right side, quote unquote, and now they're going to start the boycott Florida, which happens every April, which is interestingly enough. In April of 2017, there was the boycott North Carolina movement for the trans bathrooms bill, which then North Carolina backed down on. And then in April 2021, there was the boycott Georgia for the voting rights bill. And so it looks like because uh, this bill is likely to be signed in April, that the April of 2022 boycott is going to be of Florida. So it's basically the left Two Minutes of Hate, which is from 1984, George Orwell's novel. This is what they land on. Laws they don't like, they boycott a state. Okay, good. Well, I, let me just, excuse me, Your Highness, this, this, let me just take a moment from you and just issue my own statement to the liberals that want to boycott Florida. <laughs> <clears throat> Dear liberals and progressives that want to boycott Florida, 
good. Stay your asses home. <laughs> Guess what? Other people will come to Florida, and they won't have to put up with your progressive whining and moaning over everything. So go to the rodent kingdom in California and leave the rodent kingdom in Florida to the conservatives. Nobody will complain. End of statement. Well, here's my addendum to your statement, which I agree with. They're coming anyway, because as we discovered that when all of these governors were issuing horrible close downs and shutdowns of their states, they themselves came to the free state of Florida. A lot of these Democrat governors, they had their Democrat Governors Association meeting here. So even though these people are complaining, they're still coming to visit Florida because it's a wonderful place. Well, and so Governor DeSantis, to me, comes out stronger than ever before in this because he refuses to back down. And when the Disney guy went after him, he came right back at him. Hey, buddy, why don't you challenge China if you're so big and bad and concerned about human rights? And, of course, we heard crickets from Disney on that one. Well, this guy, the CEO, Bob Chapek, I don't know how you pronounce it, he is has only been CEO since 2020. Before that, he was in charge of opening parks around the world, and he himself opened the Shanghai Disney Resort. So that little smack from DeSantis really hit its mark because that guy was responsible for China and the looking the other way as Disney has on the China human rights. Talk about human rights rights abuses. They're they're not even mentioning that when China is actually abusing human rights. Now, turning to other matters, Putin, uh, Putin, um, there's an analysis in the Washington Post about Putin's Russia and Putin. Now they have fake news in Russia. This comes from the Washington Post. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> Complaining somebody about fake news, the Washington Post. But before you respond to that, let me just say this. We played in the first hour um, another point of view via Joyce Kaufman, a talk show host in, in your state of Florida. Um, And it was brilliant. It talked about the history. And you said this in the very beginning. You said, folks, this is not just a Russia right. I mean, Russia wrong, Ukraine right thing. You said there are a lot of angles to this that are not being discussed. And some of them, this person in the letter brought out, like the expansion of NATO under Barack Hussein Obama Uh and how the Russians have felt threatened from this. For ages, and I brought that up too in the in the weeks past because it's like, what? How did we react to the Cubans wanting to put nuclear weapons? Uh, I mean, the Russians wanting to put nukes down in Cuba. We had a hissy fit, and that's supposedly JFK's, you know, moment of shining when he stopped the Russians from doing that. And so that's one of the angles. And then you start looking at some of the other angles, as you said, the historical relationship between the Ukraine and Russia. And and you mentioned that early on. So I just wanted to say, of course, right again, Your Majesty, you always seem to hit the, the nail on the head. But what do you think about this little fake news thing in the Washington in the Amazon Prime Washington Post today? <laughs> well, it's very amusing. And the title is In Putin's Russia, fake news now means real news. And so they are doing this double backwards now that the Russian government is calling real news fake news. So anytime you see the term fake news, that means it's just real 
news. It's a double, like in Animal House, double secret probation. Now it's a triple <laughs> double, double secret fake news, real news. And so the Washington Post is basically saying, believe our fake news, not their fake news. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Uh, you know, I, as I have said, I, my princess principle is always be skeptical. And I hold no loyalty or truck with the Russians <laughs> at all. And that's the accusation when you question the official narrative. Oh, you are a supporter of Putin. No, but I do think that by cutting off which all social media is doing, information from Russia, you're getting such a skewed view. Uh, you know, you're getting American propaganda, you're getting Ukrainian propaganda, and you're not balancing it against, well, what are the Russians saying? Can we measure it and weigh it and question it? You need a balance of all sources and you can label it. This is official government, you know, Russian government statement. But to not know what it is they're saying to their own people, it just makes us blind. And I have to tell you, I read this morning the first long view in any publication in the West. I've seen nothing except this. This is called Putin's Thousand Year War, and it's by foreign policy. It's it's fairly simplistic, but it at least is acknowledging a historical context, the view of Russians, Mother Russia, the thousand years of history, the wars and all of the conflicts between these uh, now two countries. They were not originally two countries. Kiev was once in Russia. The capital, it was the capital a, of Russia at yes, one point. And that is where my great grandparents fled from. And so this idea that, you know, it has boiled down to this binary, you know, unfortunately, this Twitter war, Russia bad, Ukraine good. And so we have gotten lies. We have gotten social media basically saying it's OK to tweet killing Russians. We, we got like your caller. We got to send somebody over there and assassinate Putin. I mean, this idea they're ginning up this hatred among ordinary people and, and consumers of, of social media, this hatred of Russians. And so you can now tweet, let's, let's kill the Russians. And, you know, this support for the Azov Battalion is allowed now. That's the Ukrainian neo-Nazi group. And on social media, it's okay to support the Azov Battalion. So you're like, you have to say, wait a minute, Wait a minute. What is the motivation now? You've got MasterCard, Visa cutting off all uh, transactions. Ordinary Russians cannot use these things. McDonald's is pulling out. In America and in the West, they are canceling Tchaikovsky and Russian performers. They are blocking every single – and you remember back – remember Russia – in the old days when the, first the Soviet Union fell and the uh, paroxysms of joy that greeted Gorbachev, in fact, our friend Rush called them Gorbasms. And so this, we are the world, we are connecting with Russians, Russians love their children too, the anti-war movement, the left was at the forefront of that, of Russian love, which is why we have 
you know, space uh, things together. We're joined together, Russia and the United States. We've had many decades of working together, a lot of it motivated by desire for interaction and world peace. And now, literally, due to Donald Trump in 2015 trying to contain China and making an alliance, trying to make an alliance with Russia, but the minute he did that, all of Russia was evil, and so they have built on that, which is why I think we always need to be skeptical. It's the same people that have been running this Russia, Russia, Russia mantra due to Donald Trump, they're building on that, and it's not the whole truth, and I am tired of being played. That's all I'm saying. Russia is the aggressor in this situation, no doubt about it. We have we have to condemn it. We have to hope that they, they can be pushed back. But this notion that Ukraine is just, you know, this is also a lie. They are telling us that Ukraine has a chance and that, you know, the Russian Ukraine has no chance. They're going to be stomped. Yes. Now, of yes, course, Putin's army the, looks. All the, all the yeah. news stories are, look at this. The Russian Russian military is terrible. And, uh, you know, look at what Ukraine is doing. They're beating back the Russians. And it's, you know, a lot of this is to rope people into feeling there is a chance that Russia can be stopped. And this is just going to cause more war. Well, they're not going to be stopped, and thank you so much. There's one other thing I'm just going to say. We don't have time to go into this story, but I just want to just put it out there as my last word. There's a big story in the Washington Post today about social media, how Russian is declaring Facebook, an extremist organization. YouTube, this is after YouTube blocked Russian state media channels, and the Russians responded quickly. They're calling Facebook um, 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 extremists, they block Instagram, WhatsApp, and et cetera, et cetera. Okay, my point in this simply is, gee, are the Republicans looking at any of this? These social media companies have been waging war on Republicans now for almost a decade. And the Republicans sit on their asses and do absolutely nothing to watch conservative Republican or conservative media be censored by these people, and the Russians, they don't play. It's like, oh, you hit us, we hit you back. Anybody else watching this? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Princess Di, as always, a fountain of information. We so love you. Thank you so much. Thank you, James. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo We are coming back. Your calls are coming up right after this. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on 77 WABC. Hey, yeah. Yeah. You know who this is, right? Sly in the family stone. If you want me to stay. Sly and the Family Stone, you know, this was a group. First big hit, Dance to the Music. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be a favorite for, for you, you to see. Yeah. Sly and the Family Stone, man, they changed the direction of music in this country. Another genius. Yeah, the, there's a riot going on. 
I think they they have they have so many, but the essential Sly and the Family Stone albums. If you're new to them, if you're a millennial, the Stand album number one, and then there's a riot going on, which I believe was somewhere near 1968, 1970, around there. Anyway, uh, the article that that uh, we had Joyce Kaufman, that Joyce Kaufman read in our first hour. Uh, comes from a guy, she mentioned him, Dan Truitt. And you can find that for yourself, thank you, Jolene, for pointing it out, at American Thinker. And it was published on March 9th in American Thinker. It's called Here's the Truth on Ukraine, As Far as I Can Tell. And i got to tell you, this gives you a very different view of what's going on there than the traditional view that we are getting from the mainstream press as a tri- as a different view that we just got from our very own Princess of Policy, Diana Me. Let us go to the telephones as promised, and let us start with Ralph in New Jersey. Ralph, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. Thank you. Thank you, Bo. And it's just, Ralph, I want to say that please, people, get the book, Rash on the Radio, the best book ever written by the one and only James Golden, a.k.a. Boss Nordley. Okay? That is really a, a magnificent book, and Thank so you. is you know the Pit, the Pit and the Barrow book in, in Trump's time. Those, I mean, between those two, I you know I get educated. What can I say? Okay. Thank you. And so we come to this point now about the the sanction, economic sanction that Biden is putting upon uh, Russia. Okay, I'm of the opinion, both that this is nothing more than a hail mary pass. It is woefully inadequate. It is weak, and if it is a dog, it barks, but it do not bite, okay? And speaking of economic sanctions, the Biden inflation, it, you know, perception is reality. It's like an economic sanction being imposed on America. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Wow. Now, if you had trouble with Ralph's action, I didn't. He said some amazing things there. The sanction in Europe. I like a dog. Bark, no bite. And you want to talk sanctions? Joe Biden's inflation on America is sanctioning Americans. And thank you for the compliment on the book, uh, Rush on the Radio. And you can still find that book, Rush on the Radio, by James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, wherever you purchase fond books. Let's go to Diane in Yorktown Heights. Diane, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. Thank you, James. It's an honor to talk with you today. My I wanted first. First and foremost, I wanted to tell you I'm a number one Isley Brothers Brothers fan. Uh, My husband took me for my 65th birthday to see him at a small venue in New York City, and I sat right in front of him. And as he was singing For the Love, he put the microphone to me, and I sang it with him. Oh! (laughs) I bet you'll never forget that. That's marvelous. I have it on video, too, so I'll never forget it. Oh, that's awesome. Doesn't he have a beautiful voice? Oh, like, I, I can't even tell you. I've been a fan for so many years. He's my number one group. And, and Sly and the Family is still my number two group. So we have the same taste in music. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Diane. So appreciate you. That What a special treat. Yay, Ronnie Isley. And maybe yeah. one of these days Chris Jasper will join us on the show. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm, I want to call him one of these days and ask him if he would, if he would do that. Um, let us yeah. see. Where, where do we say we're going next, fellas? Let's go. Is it Charles in Woodbridge, New Jersey? Charles, WABC Talk Radio. Hi, what's up? 
pleasure, sir. Just before my main point that I called about, God be with all those people over in Ukraine and even Russia, those Russian soldiers, I don't think they want to be there. So God be with all of them that are getting killed. But the main point that I called about was about, you were talking about those kids, their parents are giving them all those hormones because they say they want to change. I think it's wrong. And the one example I was going to say was, you know, they have that show with Jazz, and they, they totally fouled that poor kid up. They uh, they gave him hormones, and what happened was um, they, they, when they when the doctor talked to him about it, they said that um, they didn't have what they needed to make him, you know, to, to do the surgery the right way. So that's just the point I wanted to make. Thank you. Well, look, there are a lot of people that are questioning whether these children should be having uh, sex change hormones at such a young age. And the question, I think, is a legitimate question. Why not wait until these children have reached the age of majority, in other words, until they're no longer minors, and let them make up their own decision? Why are they doing this to these children, and why are parents? What kind of parent would just say, I don't, look, I'm not trying to attack parents. I am sure that there are parents who do what they're doing for all of the right reasons because they believe that their child will be better off and happy, and I'm sure that there are those parents. I wonder at the same time if there are parents who are doing this to kind of give their kid the newest, latest, greatest accessory. And I'm sorry, I can't help but wondering that. And I wonder about the doctors and the medical communities that would say, okay, this child is not fully matured, but we're making a lifelong decision for this child who is not mature. I wonder about the thinking that goes into that. Again, as I always say, I do believe that dysmorphia is a real thing. And I am not knocking the children or the adults who choose to do this because they are unhappy. Everybody deserves their shot at being happy in this life. Lord knows we get so little happiness. Most of our lives is spent going from crises to crises for many people or having happiness only briefly interrupted by long periods of, of, of worry and concerns or whatever it is that we live. Very few of us have truly happy lives. And I don't wish unhappiness on anybody. Let us go to Karen in Rockland County. Karen, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. Good morning. You have a golden voice. Thank you. I could listen to your voice all day. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. Uh, as far as, uh, I just want to say one thing. I, I thought also that she had Tourette's Syndrome, and I would call her Chuckles. <laughs> Chuckles? <laughs> <laughs> As far as Putin and uh, Biden, I'm comparing them to Don Quixote, the man of La Manta, the impossible dream. Who do you think has a more impossible dream? You know, Putin trying to get communist uh, Soviet Union back or Biden with his Green Deal and 1619 project? Well, I think that Biden is by far the most inept leader out of both of them. Now, Putin is not his army's not performing well right now, but they are, Diana said this, look, anybody that thinks that somehow Zelensky is going to pull the magic bullet out and get a military victory in Ukraine, uh -uh, that's not going to happen. So no matter how embarrassing this is that it didn't happen in six days or a week or whatever for Putin, eventually he will get to Ukraine. And eventually 
What is going to be said about that is that Europe stood by and watched while it happened. And those people demanding the United States stop it, uh-uh, this is a European problem. And so let the Europeans deal with the aftermath of it, too. And by the way, one of these days, can we ever get to the bottom of what really happened with the Bidens in the Ukraine and all the other Americans that were using, as I think Princess Di said, using the Ukraine as their own personal piggy bank? Wonder whether we're going to get to those stories, too. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. We're going to take a break. We've got more of your calls, and we are going to take as many calls as we can before we leave today. Stay with us. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Brendan brings us back on WABC. Dog Radio 77. You know, I asked a few weeks ago what happened to him, and I got a lot of responses. He's still around and kicking it, and apparently quite political, eh? Well, what a surprise. And, and, and anti-Trumper. That's okay. I still like his music. And I got a lot of uh, people can always reach me at jamesgolden.com. We have a daily email blast that goes out twice a day with news stories of the day. We're going to have a survey out soon asking people what they want in a newsletter. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be a lot more. JamesGolden.com. You can always reach me there or BoSnurly.com. Keep up with us and what we're doing here. Remember, Larry Kudlow comes up next. You talk about an economic genius, and he has been for years. So keep it right here on WABC. And later tonight, Cousin Brucey. And then even more music after that. Keep it here all the time on WABC. Let's go to Steve, Lower East Side in Manhattan. Steve, welcome. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, with you. What's up? Hey, good morning, James. Uh, yeah, I was. I just wanted to mention something that, because I was listening to this other um, uh, uh, show, and they talked about Richard Nixon, God rest his soul, that he predicted this. And the reason being is after we had collapsed the Soviet Union, okay, we left the power vacuum, okay? And what happened was we let business run over there thinking that we could convert Russians into Americans by selling them American cars and eating hamburgers and and drinking Coca-Cola, but we never went over there to establish political institutions to help the Russian people develop uh, a political system like we had, and that left the power vacuum. And what happened? Well, when the Soviet Union collapsed, the the same hardliners that were running the heavy industries, the steel, uh, the electricity, the manufacturing Russia, well, they they went in and they became the, the power factors in Russia, and Putin being one of them. And Instead of making Russia an ally, because the real threat is China, not Russia, what, what do we do? No. <laughs> we were doing all kinds of business with China, and, we would, and, and, uh, and over here, especially the Democrats, were, were put, painting Putin and Russia as, as a real threat and enemy, and that is, is not really true. We, we would have embraced Russia right after the, they had collapsed. We would well, have been well, hold on a minute. Hold, hold on a minute, Steve. Because you are right, but there are some nuances here. First of all, we did embrace Russia after they fell. We sent over people like Richard Vigory and others who were actually doing exactly what you said, trying to help the Russians stand up a political system that would bring, quote-unquote, democracy to Russia. So it is not quite accurate to say that we didn't do that. Of course, business interests were in there by the time. Now, were we successful at it? I don't think so. 
And that is, and you're exactly 100% unequivocally right that Richard Nixon did predict that there would be a Russian invasion in Ukraine because of the power vacuum that was left. So you got that one dead on. And thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Rich East Meadow, what's up this morning? Rich, how are you? Hey, good morning, James. Congratulations on all the well-earned success. I love it. Thank you. Uh, you you're very welcome. You were talking about the Democrat boycott of Florida. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be any happier. I got one of those Chris Wallace tingly feelings. <laughs> I, I, t- I wasn't going to call in today, but I had to. Please, all you Democrats out there, boycott Florida. I'm begging you. Do it. <laughs> do it. We love it. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it. Let's go to Mike and New Rochelle. Mike, what's up? How are you doing today? Mr. Golden, what a pleasure it is to finally speak to you. You know, I wanted to find a way to thank you for all the knowledge and education you provided me over the course of time listening to you. And it dawned on me, you know, I have a vintage music collection. I collect vinyl records, 45s. And I I thought maybe, you know, I could share some of that with you because I, I think you would appreciate some of it. It's very obscure stuff. And I was also wondering... What would I have to do to have a conversation with you? I know you're very knowledgeable in the music industry, and you, you were Dan Ingram's uh, production manager at some, th- some point. No, I produced I the last to- music show on WABC. Dan Ingram was uh, Dan Ingram and Ron Lundy were the host of that show. That's the only time I ever produced a show with Dan, with B- Big Dan Ingram, BDI, and with uh, Ron Lundy. But it was amazing. Now, leave your name with the guys. They'll email it to me. And Vintage Music, I have a collection, too. Of vinyl, and I can tell you this, and all you vinyl collectors that kept your vinyl, good for you, because that vinyl is now worth more than it was when you bought it. And there are some things on vinyl that are worth, for instance, there are certain vinyl albums that I have with the original artist, original cover, that are now worth, let's say you paid eight bucks for them, they're now worth over a hundred, or some cases two hundred, if you can find them, if they're rare editions. So good for you. Mike, we'll try our best to get back a hold of you. Let's go to Frank and Glendale. Glendale, welcome, Frank. How are you? WABC with James Golden. Good morning. What an honor. Uh, I want to – I don't think there's anybody in your audience stupid enough to go take any controlled substances to a foreign nation. I'm calling in regards to that – The basketball player? Yeah. Yeah, Brittany. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me right away about Otto Warnbeer – the the other genius uh, on a college tour of North Korea stealing that uh, political po- poster. Listen, I want to just tell everybody, if you don't know already, foreign nations, they don't play. Thank uh, you. They don't play, and they'll That's lock right. you up. And uh, not only lock you up, in the case of Otto, sadly, he paid for that, the theft of that in, in communist North Korea with his life. And it was just, it's a shame. It is a shame, but Somebody should have told them, hey, don't be stupid here. Uh, I was uh, my first time I left the United States was in 1980. I went to uh, Austria and uh, it was two o'clock in the morning in the city of Graz. And uh, I was with a girl and uh, it was nobody around. There were no cars in the street and the light was red and I was ready to cross the street. She goes, we're not going to cross the street. I go, what do you mean? There's nobody coming. No. They're hiding. They'll, they'll get you. They'll get you. And, 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 and again, and foreign nations, Singapore is an example also. Back in the day, uh, some kid was doing graffiti. And uh, Oh, no, no. They don't was, go for that. You can't even, if you litter over in Singapore and they catch you, 
you are in big trouble. If you, yeah. a, a, a simple littering, they do not tolerate it. Listen, this is true. You cannot go to other countries and expect to get the same disregard for the law that Democrats have made commonplace in the United States. Other countries respect their borders, their own borders, and they expect people will... Ex- Look, you can't even sneak into Canada like you do here. The Canucks, they respect their own border. They don't play the crap that we do here. So Frank is absolutely right. Let us go to Peter in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Morning, Bo. Always a pleasure. Thank you. I'd like to mention my wife took a a tour to uh, Detroit. She went there on business, and she took the Motown tour. And she came back with a package of a... from the Motown tour of uh, loads of CDs going back from the 50s on up, you know, during, during those great years. And uh, I listened to it while I was working at home. And I got very saddened because the thing is, if they try to censor this type of music, you know, it's a part of Americana, along with other types of music. And, you know, Goody, though he was good to his performers, he could have been better to them. And, and we all know that Smokey kind of like kept it together back then. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I was very worried about that. Well, let me, just, they, uh, let me just say, let me jump in here because you know what? Um, what you're talking about, Barry Gordy, let us remember something. If not for Betty Go- Barry Gordy and his sister Anna, but primarily Betty, uh, I'm sorry, Bar- Barry Gordy, we would have no Motown music. This was out of his heart and, and that first house that belonged to the Gordys where you found that studio. I've been there. And when you go in the basement, it's almost like you can feel the energy still in that room, that, that converted room. This is one of the greatest stories of American entrepreneurship in our history and what happened. At one time, Motown was the largest owned black business in the world. And, they, and, and the music that came out of there, these artists, are so part of the world, they won't be censored. You're talking about artists that became iconic, not just in here, but all over the world. Now, you said something else I want to do. It's not just black music in that era. If you go to rock and roll music, if you go to pop music, if you go to jazz, if you go to the, that was the split between um, the what we call the the straight-ahead jazz, and, and then it moved into fusion and the other stuff. There was an explosion of music where, where it just exploded in almost every single genre that there was with great artists, by the way, including classical. And this is part of America's story. This is an American story that should be told as an American story, and Motown is part of it. It is about the greatness and the opportunity of this country. And so I don't think that part's going to ever be censored. And what makes me sad isn't the music of that era. That's inspirational. What makes me sad is listening to some of this crap that's on the market today, this poison that is being fed to the children of America with these, with these how shall I say it, evil non some of the some of the perversion that is being foisted on american youth via music is to me nothing short of criminal and it is just a shame to see our children in this country being demoralized by the art 
whether it's music, whether it's in the, the electronic arts, whether it's the movies, whatever, when we have such a wonderful and rich history that wasn't so long ago. And I hope that the pendulum on that really changes soon because America's children deserve so much better and American people deserve so much better. Our music, the music that came out of America during that era, during the 1950s, even before that, going from the 30s all the way up through the 90s, is an unbelievable story that, in fact, did change the world. You talk about Russia and all these other countries. The kids there wanted to listen to American music. I doubt whether they listen to it today. Anyway... Thank you. Three hours came and went. We are Pennsylvania. We are Connecticut. We are New Jersey. We are New York. We are New York strong. New York City, the greatest city in the world. America, the one and only our beloved America, the most wonderful nation that humanity has ever witnessed. May God protect and bless each and every one of you and your families and look with special favor on those suffering in Ukraine and all other areas of trouble.